you know, you go through the alphabet and death summary and discharge summary are dangerously close to one another. So I accidentally selected the death summary for the patient. And then I couldn't just erase it. Of course, I had to get on the phone in front of my surgery's chief senior resident, intern, you know, everybody and their dog and just announce that I needed to delete this death summary since my patient was indeed alive. So, you know, please do not repeat this mistake. (laughs) Noted, noted. (laughs) I feel that you had to know about this very important story, Mary, before you start third year. But hello, hello to our dear listeners. Um, I hope you also got much learning from Ludovica's good mistakes. Um, and I am actually here, as you may have figured out with all the names that were getting thrown out, you're probably like, huh, these names sound a lot more different than the ones that I'm used to. Uh, so I have two very special guests with me here today, um, Mary and Ludovica, and I'll actually have them formally introduce themselves. Mary, do you want to start? Yes. Um, First off, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be on a Bundle of Hers episode. Um, I am a rising third year medical student at the University of Utah School of Medicine or Spencer Fox Eccles School of Medicine. And I am excited to start my rotation so I can kind of officially figure out what I want to specialize in because right now I am neuro and psychiatry interested and I'm hoping it stays that way, but I'm going into third year with an open mind because who knows what will happen. What will happen, Mary, is that you will pick neurology. That's what will happen. I hope so too. (laughs) No bias whatsoever from Ludovica. No bias here at all. Anyway, um, I'm Ludovica. I'm a rising PGY1 going into neurology. So that's why I'm hoping Mary will follow in my footsteps. Where are you going, Ludovica? I'm going to Brown. (laughs) Yeah, isn't that? It's so exciting. We have a potentially two budding nerdologists, um, (laughs) as we affectionately call them. Uh, So I think that as you might now tell with Ludovica saying that she's a rising PGY1, we have graduated medical school. And I think for me, every time when I graduate, I start really getting reflective and I start really thinking about things. And one night during the depths of my sleep, I remembered this story that happened to me back when I was in high school. So a decade ago, just to age myself out for all of our listeners out there. It was me in high school preparing for my high school graduation. And I was about to head off to Boston to attend a really like good college um, for my undergrad. And one of my high school classmates like was kind of getting a sense of, you know, my family situation. And for our listeners who don't know, I came from a single parent immigrant background, um, also grew up with my grandparents and all of that jazz. And when I told her this story. She looked at me and she said, oh, you really do represent the American dream. Your family must be so proud. And high school me at that time, I was like, yeah, yeah, I guess I do represent the American dream. But it's been 10 years now. And I think since that time, I've really 
grown and thought more deeply about this assumption of the American dream. And as I'm about to move on to my next phase in life and hopefully now be done with school forever, I kind of wanted to talk a bit about it a bit more, which is why I'm so happy to have you, Mary and Ludovica, to join this discussion. Um, for some context before we kick off, I really want to let people know about what the American dream is. You might have heard of it, you might have a sense of it already, but it's really this national ethos that's focused on the U.S. ideals of democracy, rights, liberty, and equality. All of this is thanks to Wikipedia, by the way, wonderful resource for your needs. Um, and the typical focus when people talk about the American dream is they're really focused on this idea of individual prosperity and success. The idea that you can be an immigrant and you come in and you can have this upward social mobility for yourself and for your subsequent descendants. And that's why my story, this resonated with this classmate as a representation of the American dream. But as I've mentioned, growing older, I've like learned a lot about these very complicated issues with this ideology, right? Just to summarize, there's a lot of critiques that you can find on the internet, in books that focus on the idea of how the American dream really focuses on consumerism, materialism, lack of worker solidarity, a really poor perspective on the idea of American exceptionalism, which is this concept that the U.S. was really perfect and really exceptional and that where we are right now wasn't built off of the blood and the oppression of others. So the American dream isn't perfect, but I really, for this topic, I feel that there are so many people who talk about the American dream in a more like critical theory sort of lens very well. And really for the purpose of this topic and why I want to have you, Ludovica and Mary here, is I really want to talk about the personal, the identity aspects in line with the season's theme of identity in relation to the American dream. Um, so to start us really off, I just wonder, like, with all of this context that I've talked and also of your understanding of the American dream, when I say those three words, what do you immediately feel? I immediately think about the thought of, you know, the typical American saying of pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and personally, so I am originally from Italy, born and raised in Rieti, um, next to Rome. And so for me, for my people, it's the idea of, you know, going through Ellis Island, uh, which I actually had the pleasure of visiting a few years ago. And, you know, back then for Italians who were traveling to the United States, more often than not, they came from the south of Italy, which is historically the more um, lower SES part of um, Italy, not as many jobs. And so a lot of people were leaving with the hopes of coming to America in the early, like, 1900s for, you know, the prospect of jobs, you know, giving a better education to their children and being able to have more money to send back home. Uh, I actually had both of my grandparents come, um, my great grandparents come from Italy to the United States and um, they ended up moving back. But during that time, they saved up money and sent it back to Italy. So, you know, the idea of the American dream is was what I just talked about. But in reality, um, as it happens with most new immigrants coming to any country, they were not viewed favorably. Um, so Italians were viewed as, you know, a menace to the country a little bit, coming in and taking away jobs from Americans. And there was this newspaper article from the New York Times around that time. Again, I don't remember exactly when, maybe 1900s, that showed 
you know, these rats coming into New York City and it was supposed to be the representation of Italians. So, you know, that was the idea of the American dream that I grew up with and that I learned. And for what it's worth, you know, yes, my grandparents were able to, great grandparents were able to save a lot of money, but the circumstances under which they did that were not ideal. Yeah, I completely resonate with what you said, Ludovica. I think there's so there's like a underbelly to the American dream that we don't know. And so many people don't really think about until they're in this country and they're like, oh, what I thought was the American dream is not really reflective of my experience or my family's journey in this country. Yeah, I think when I think of American dream, I, I sort of think of all the hidden dreams that doesn't get explicitly stated when you think of the definition. What like Ha mentioned was like very capitalistic centered, very materialistic. And I also think of like who is the American dream actually realistically attainable for, right? Um, so I was born in India, but then when I was three months old, my um, family and I moved from Kerala, India to Singapore, and that's where I grew up for a bit. And then kind of during the economic recession of 2008, my um, dad was able to find a job here in Utah. And that's what brought us to the United States. So we moved from Singapore to Utah directly. And I remember when my dad told us we were moving here, I was like, where are we going? Like, I didn't even know Utah was a state in the US. <laughs> I was like, where are you taking us? I think it's like a running joke in our family that we used to pronounce Utah as Utah because we didn't even know how to pronounce it. <laughs> and that's how my cousins pronounce it back home in India too. So it was definitely a huge culture shock moving here, right? Also because I had like a community in Singapore that I was like leaving behind to move to this new country. So there was a lot of like uncertainty and fear of whether I'd be welcome. And it was hard initially because I was like the only brown girl in my neighborhood, in my school. I had like curly, frizzy hair. I had an accent. I still remember like in my sixth grade math class, we were like going over answers and like I pronounced H as H and I got like made fun of <laughs> because of like how I would pronounce things differently. So like our my family's kind of idea of American dream was very similar to yours, Ludovica, of like you pick yourself up by your bootstraps, you work your hardest, sort of if we like grind hard, if we work hard continuously, then maybe one day we too can live like our neighbors or like live like these families that we're seeing in our church community, right? And so that was sort of the perception. However, as I grew older, I kind of was struck by a lot of the immigration realities that we have to face that sort of makes the attainability of that American dream a lot harder and sometimes near impossible. I still remember like in high school when I was like applying to colleges, when I finally realized that I was on like a visa and that would limit which colleges I could apply for, which scholarships I could get. I was like, oh, but I thought if I like worked really hard in high school, got the grades, did all these extracurriculars, I too could do all these things that my friends are doing, right? Like going to these colleges or going to these cool programs. And so I think that's when I kind of really like was struck by the fact that the American dream may not be attainable for so many people, for so many communities. And 
like what you mentioned, our country kind of has this view of like desirable immigrants versus undesirable immigrants, right? If you're a productive immigrant, if you're going to contribute so much and you're extraordinary, then we want you in this country. But if not, then maybe we don't want you in this country. So it is a very complicated and there's this like underbelly to the American dream that is problematic. Yeah, Mary, I totally resonate with that. I remember when you and I met a couple of months ago and we got coffee and we were talking about the plight of immigrants who have the H-1 visa because we, I believe you and I both had that and correct me if I'm wrong. Um, So in my case, my we also came to, back to Utah during the recession of 2008, and my dad at the time was requested for a green card, and so he had the H-4, I believe, and then my mom and I had the H-1. And what that means is that H-1 people, so my mom and I, could not legally work in the United States, and we could not receive scholarships to top it all off. So I felt the exact same way as you, Mary. I remember I had applied to all these fancy colleges and I did get into one in California and then I found out that I couldn't apply for loans. So there's no way I would be able to pay for that. And then I had, I believe, a half ride or a full ride to the University of Utah back then. And also because I didn't, because I had that visa, I wasn't eligible for any of it. And it was so shocking to me. Like I worked so hard in high school for nothing. I don't know. Well, not for nothing. I mean, it just, it felt a little bit, there was some bitter feelings about that. So I can totally empathize with you. And yeah, I think there were so many things about the American dream that none of us knew about. I mean, when we came, we didn't know how difficult it would be to get a green card. I mean, I became a citizen in this country in 2019. So during my first year of medical school. And when I tell my Italian friends or everybody else, they were like, didn't you move to the U.S. in like 2006? Why did it take you 13 years to become American? I was like, why? Oh, let me tell you. (laughs) Like, you know, sit down because it's going to take a while. But yeah, like it's a very long and difficult process. And I mean, not all immigrants are created equal. I know from what my dad and I learned about this process is that people from different countries are put in a different box. For example, Mm -hmm. like I was in the European box, you know, so my green card would move a little bit faster than, for example, my, like I had a lot of friends from India, than their yeah. green card, you know? So like people don't know that, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, I don't know. There's so many undertones that people don't realize. And it's so frustrating when you're in the process and you see like your, you know, some of your dreams kind of slip away and your family, like it was really hard for my mom to not be able to work for many years. And, you know, those are things people don't realize when they move here. And I really appreciate both of your perspectives, Mary and Ludovica, because for me as a second generation American, I think that I was just immediately granted all of these privileges, like very easily, like in terms of scholarships, in terms of loan money, just in lieu of me being born here. Um, and the fact that I was born here just maybe one year after my family had immigrated, it's wild to just think about this is how the system is built, right? And I think it makes it very hard because then when you think about, for instance, that person in high school telling me about like, oh, you're rec- presenting the American dream, but that's really negating a lot of the privileges that I was born with, that I was literally born with because I was born with U.S. citizenship. But it also negates the fact that, as we've alluded to, that when people talk about immigrant success stories and when people frame immigrants, there are like the good immigrants and the bad immigrants. And 
I being, as I've talked about multiple times in multiple episodes, being a more fair-skinned Vietnamese American, I like come in with a bit of model minority privilege too that's granted me the access to the things that I have access to. And I guess that makes me like also just curious about like your thoughts about, I know that currently right now, especially with you, Mary, like there's a lot of policy stuff that's happening and a lot of things that we're trying to do to navigate, to make things more equitable and to have justice in this world for people who are dreaming? I think for me, finding this like youth-led advocacy group was just finally so comforting because after so many years of feeling like, oh, I can't really explain my immigration situation. No one's going to get it. My friends don't really get it because I speak like them. I have an American accent, so they don't assume like I'm an immigrant with these like visa struggles. So just finding this community called Improve the Dream has been just so comforting and reassuring. And so this advocacy group um, is essentially proposing new bills and legislative changes and both the state and like national level to quite literally improve the dream. We know about the dreamers, DACA, and essentially what this group is doing is we're wanting to expand who qualifies under, you know, or who's counted as a dreamer, not just folks who come to this country on an undocumented status, but also those who come here in documented status and are children of long-term visa holders. So I think at the end of the day, it's been just really I don't know, in a way, it's kind of like reclaiming the American dream in my eyes, because in addition to like living in this country and doing what I'm doing by like, you know, studying and like trying to be a doctor, I'm also like participating in like the legal process or like the civic process and like actually being engaged in politics and like in the laws that are being created in this country. So in my eyes, I'm like, oh, this is truly what the American dream is, is like being engaged in your country and like positively contributing to make a difference, not just for yourself, but for your community and those who will come after you. We currently have a bill that's been introduced and it's called America's Children's Act. And it is hoping to um, end aging out for children of long-term visa holders. So quite literally stopping children who were raised, educated, brought up in this country from having to self-deport when they turn 21, because currently that's what happens. So oftentimes when you like think about the immigration debate, you'll hear from people when you're discussing like dreamers or those on DACA status, like, oh, they should come in the right way. Like we have a legal immigration system, so come in the right way. But people don't realize that you can come in the quote unquote right way and still be stuck in an immigration limbo, still have to self-deport or not have a path to citizenship once you turn 21. So our goal with Improve the Dream is to quite literally make sure that children who were raised here, who were educated here, brought up here, aren't going to be separated from their families, regardless of their status, can stay here and continue to make an impact in their communities. So it's been really like a privilege and just, I've been so grateful to be part of this community to advocate for this change. Can I say that you're doing amazing work, Mary? I wish, you know, you had been there when I was going through this process when I was young in high school. I think it's amazing that you are getting involved and doing that while you're a rising third year medical student. I mean, 
that's amazing. I'm very happy for you. I can't wait for you to be my fellow neurologist. I know. Oh, thank you so much, Ludo. Yeah, Mary is amazing. And for our listeners to know, Mary actually just took step, you know, that big licensing exam um, in medicine, and then immediately went to DC to talk about these very important topics and to really push for change. And I really liked what you were saying, Mary, about reframing the American dream. Because I think for me, a lot of my life, like once I started realizing those complexities of what the American dream entailed, all of the like isms that made it terrible, right? I had mentioned it before, capitalism, consumerism, even racism playing a huge role into it too. And when I thought about it, I started feeling like this was very discouraging. And sometimes I would sit and go, I know what my family did and what my family really sacrificed to be able to bring me here because my family went through so much to get me the stability that I have right now. But sometimes I do sit and I wonder, was it really generally worth it because of what we're facing against and also that we're in this world that's so individualistic and so centered on that. Whereas if we were in Vietnam, there's like always like this more community feel to it. And maybe it's also my mom being romanticizing her good memories of Vietnam. But I just sit and I'm like, why do I really want to achieve this where it feels as if it's counterintuitive to the community based ideals that I really care about. And so I found what you were saying about reframing to be like really powerful. Like when we're thinking about change, it's always, there's always two choices, right? Being able to really take it and re-empower it into our own definitions or just rejection. And that's something that I still go back and forth between in my work about advocacy, but I'd really love to hear like, for instance, Ludovica, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I would agree a thousand percent. And I mean, I feel like I maybe do the same thing as your mom. And sometimes I do think about what my life would have been like if I hadn't come here and if I'd stayed in Italy and I was just barely there for a month doing a rotation. And I don't know, as I was there, I kept thinking, what would my life have been like here? I mean, it's not, it wouldn't have been necessarily worse than what I have now. I mean, the pace of life of Europeans is more chill, like, you know, universal healthcare is a thing, you know, I, and I love that. So there were a lot of reasons why sometimes I wish, what if I had stayed? And I think I also find myself in a difficult situation too. And I don't know if you guys experience this, but I don't know when, sometimes when I'm in Italy, I feel like I'm not Italian enough for the Italians. And when I'm in the US, I'm not American enough for the Americans. And I always have to juggle that, you know, when I'm in Italy, sometimes I don't remember certain words. And I know they like mean it in a funny way, but sometimes they'll make fun of me and be like, oh, Ludo doesn't remember these things. She's so American now without realizing that that hurts my feelings or, you know, telling me like, oh, you don't remember this show you because you weren't here. And it just like, I know they don't mean it in a negative way, but it does hurt my feelings and makes me feel like, what dream am I living? Is it like the American dream or the like, I'm not even a full American or full Italian dream. And it's not, and I always talk about this because she's one of the only few people that I can discuss this topic with because not a lot of other people understand. And I don't know, that has been something that I've been struggling with. And I've tried really hard during medical school to try to maintain my like roots and my culture, which was a huge reason why I went back to Italy for my rotation so that I could learn medical Italian and I could actually like talk to my family about 
any medical question that they have, because normally I don't have the words to explain it. And it makes me feel like, how is it that this is my first language and I'm losing it? Like I'm losing my ability to speak to my family and my language and I'm losing like, I don't know, pop culture in Italy. I don't know like the things that they all joke about because I don't live there. But at the same time, when I'm here, like there are a lot of beliefs that are my core beliefs that I was raised with that don't necessarily align with American culture. You know, I think it's really interesting, Mary, that the visa process will stop, you know, like if you age out, you're 21. But I lived at home until I was 26 because that's just what Italians do, right? You like perfectly put into words so many of the feelings that like, I don't know if black sheep is the right word or like, like, it feels like we're walking on this tight rope between two worlds, but one foot is in one world, another foot's another world, but like never really fully accepted or in either. Like when I'm here with friends or like in my communities in the United States, I feel like I'm not American enough because of like the visa stuff, but also just like cultural like beliefs or values. But then when I go back home, like you mentioned, my like mother tongue language might have an accent to it. So I don't sound as authentic. There's also like generational sort of beliefs that like I may not agree with now that I've been raised in the United States that like can be contentious. Like I I always still get into like arguments with like my parents over like maybe some of the views that they hold about like marriages or like, you know, social beliefs. And I'm like, oh, but I don't view it this way. And then I'm like, oh, I'm not Indian enough, I guess, you know. And so I I totally fully appreciated what you were saying of like, we're just in this weird middle, like tightrope. I I really think it's so admirable that you were able to like, go do this rotation and that you wanted to do this rotation in Italy so that you could like, learn how to help your community, your family members back in Italy and here who speak Italian, and help them like kind of navigate healthcare system because it, it is so challenging when you don't speak English, especially here. And so I'm sure that it meant a lot to them that you like learned that language and now are an additional resource that they can like lean on. There's a term for people like me as a Vietnamese American. It's Viet Gil. Um, and it means essentially like it's overseas Vietnamese. Um, <laughs> and so I walk in and the way I dress, the way I talk, people know I am full flown overseas. <laughs> um, and I think this is like, it's so interesting because I feel like we exist in this, like, especially for you all more so than even me, you exist in this duality between one identity and the other. And then I also feel that we exist in this duality with the American dream, right? Because we are medical students. Well, I guess Pluto, we're doctors, not medical students anymore. Doctors, we're doctors. Ah, we're, te- <laughs> uh, we're technically doctors. Um, but on paper, it seems as if we represent the American dream, right? Now I sometimes sit and I go, wait, I basically represent people like to use me as the story, this narrative to continue talking about American exceptionalism, to continue talking about the immigrant success story in very simplistic terms, um, instead of the complexity of what that reality is. And my question is, I always sit and I go, how do I reclaim this? How do I reclaim my story from the story that society wants to shape for me for their own gain? I think... A way through which I've tried to kind of focus on, you know, this idea of Ludovica's American dream. I am a different version of what my parents wanted me to be, of what, you know, Italians who moved to the U.S. wanted me to be, of what Americans want me to be. I think in a way, like, I can 
appreciate the, you know, what my parents did by bringing me here. And I can appreciate the privilege that, that I've had by being, you know, also a white European in the United States. That's its own like branch off of like an American dream. But at the same time, I can still choose to like embrace my roots and at the same time reshape the dream in a way that works for me. Like it doesn't mean that I will always have to be the like perfect student or perfect person who comes to the United States and does all these things. Cause I will obviously make mistakes and not be perfect. And in a way I can also choose to improve the dream in a way. I mean, you know, there's a lot of things that I don't necessarily agree with, even with my role in medicine. You know, I'm very much pro universal healthcare. And I, in a way, I wish we could have that. And I wish I could continue fighting for my patients to have healthcare without having to like sell their house. And I'll continue fighting for, you know, BIPOC communities and people that don't have the same opportunities that we have had. So in a way, I see it as more like me reshaping my dream into helping other people achieve theirs in any way that I can. That was so beautiful. Yeah, I, I feel like my answer to that is, thankfully, like I've, I've got incredible humans like you two who are sort of paving the way and redefining and reclaiming what American dream means too. So I'm very thankful for that. Um, I think for me, how I'm reclaiming the American dream will also mean like not being embarrassed of who I am. And like, I know it sounds corny and cliche, but like truly being unapologetically me and like embracing every aspect of me, the immigrant struggles, the, the Utah, like, like every part of my identity. I feel like for the longest time, especially in like my undergrad, when I was here, I was so embarrassed to even like share my international student status. Like I remember when I was like writing my personal statements for med school, like it was a huge internal dilemma to even like share that. I was like, what if like that will be the reason why I'm rejected or like programs don't like that, that I'm like not a U.S. citizen or a green card holder. And so I would kind of withhold that information from people and not just even for like application purposes, even when I'm like hanging out with friends, I was so reluctant to like embrace that part of me. But I think I had a really life-changing mentor like my, that I found in my like junior year of college who helped me feel proud of my identity and like finally told me like, no, like you're going to end up where you're going to end up. So be unapologetically you, like share the things that make you uniquely you. And that, that for me is my immigrant experience. So I think one way I'm, rec I'm hoping to reclaim the American dream and like redefine it for myself is to be proud of my immigrant experience and share that whenever I can with friends or family members or people that I interact with. And then like Ludovica mentioned, just embracing that as like medical providers in the future, there's a huge role for us to also be like civically engaged in our local communities, whether that be in policymaking and like city councils or like on state levels. I feel like we need more doctors in Congress and in legislatures making laws that affect our patients, that affect people in our communities. So I think if anything, a lot of my experiences and like meeting incredible people like you have sort of motivated me to like find ways that I can be involved in my community and like or like communities, city council or like policymaking processes, because it truly does matter. Like, I feel like our new generation of youth are truly understanding how important it is for us to be civically engaged. So it's been just in incredible to see that. I, I hope to kind of keep that momentum as I go forward, too. 
think that is so beautifully said, both Mary and Ludovica. And I think and I feel that all of your words have been really healing for me because I feel that when I get angry about things, which I do get angry about with the idea of the American dream and the versus the realities that people actually do face, as you both have alluded to quite very well, I just want to do as I absolute rejection. And I just want to, when I think about reclaiming my story, I want to push back and say, no, like I do not represent the American dream. Um, but I think hearing about how you are thinking about transformation and rooting it in love and your identities and in your community, I find to be so powerful. And I hope that's something that our listeners can be able to really carry forth and to really think about and see about how they want to approach it as they reframe their narratives against all of what society might otherwise tell them their narrative should be. Um, so with that, what I want, I'm going to prep you all, give you a bit of time to think about it, but I would love for us to all end with like a reintroduction of ourselves based off of this rethinking, including, and I can actually like do an example. Yeah. So everyone, as you know, I'm Halley and I was born and raised in Salt Lake City, Utah, but my second home that I identify with is with Vietnam, where my family immigrated from just several, like a little several months before I was born. So I am a second generation Vietnamese American. And while a lot of my achievements in education and in being able to even achieve this MD degree can often seem like I represent the story of the American dream, I think at the core my successes have been built from the communities that have supported me, which is the very antithesis of individualistic capitalism and individualism that the American dream purports. And as my dream, as I keep going forth, is that I'll be able to continue to do work that is really centered on identity and centered on community and to really grow in a collective way. And that is my big hope for the listeners and myself. Thank you. Ha, that was beautiful. Um, I'm Ludovica Farese. I was born and raised in Rieti, Italy. And my second home I identify with is Salt Lake City, Utah, where I have been for the past 16 years. And, uh, you know, like Ha, uh, even though I would represent the idea of the American dream because I came here and got into medical school and I'm now going to be a doctor, I, like Ha, was also heavily supported by my communities of fellow immigrants and my own parents. And I will continue to use, you know, this privilege that I've had of being able to study in the United States and become a doctor here to continue uplifting fellow other um, immigrants who are trying to achieve these same dreams. And I will also, you know, continue to fight for all of my patients and ensure that they have the best care here, regardless of their immigration status and regardless of their ability to afford uh, medical care here. And that is all. Man, oh, this sucks to follow up after you two. True tip. Another tip, Mary. Always go first. I know. I know. Now you tell me. I'm like, oh, gosh. Oh, man. How do I follow up on these two beautiful closers? Oh, well, I shall try my best. <laughs> um, my name is Mary Joseph, and I was born in Kerala, India. 
I grew up in Singapore and I moved here to Salt Lake City, Utah when I was 10 years old. And now I consider home Draper, Utah. Um, I am a third year medical student and I am the fruit of the hard work and labor of my immigrant parents, of my immigrant communities, of my grandparents, my cousins and relatives back home in Carolandia. I am benefiting truly from all of their hard work, sacrifices, and that's why I even have a shot at attempting at the American dream today. And my life has been enriched and has been so much better because I've got incredible examples that have been laid out in front of me by those who are on the DACA status, by dreamers of all kind, by documented dreamers who improve the dream, by friends like Han Ludovica, who I get to look up to. And my hope and dream is to continue working hard and to fight for, fight for so that healthcare is a human right in this country and that everyone in this country gets unfettered access to healthcare whenever they need it. And regardless of, you know, their socioeconomic status or immigration status, everyone here can live a healthy life. And so I am just so grateful that I have the privilege of pursuing this profession. And I can't wait to kind of continue on this journey and this medical training journey and become a physician so I can serve my community in the future too. Thank you, Ludovica and Mary. Thank you, dear listeners. If any of what we talked about today really resonates with you, we'd love to have you comment, either like private DM message us on Instagram or like comment on our post about this episode. And if you do, you get a power from identity pin. It's really, really cute. Um, I'll give you Mary and Ludovica oh, one too. You. Yeah. I've yeah. been eyeing yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so we will, we'll give you those pins and they will look great on your lanyard and you can, you listeners can't see the smiling faces of our guests, but I can and they're really stoked because the pins are that awesome. Um, but please like definitely listen to us wherever you podcast and thank you for all of your support. <laughs>